about the author Dion Fortune. The brilliant esotericist Dion Fortune was born Valerie Firth. The change of her name occurred around the time when she first became involved in occultism. The books mention no dates as to her birth and death. It is, however, known that she joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn after the death of S.L. McGregor Mathers, one of the Golden Dawn's three founders, and after the expulsion of Aleister Crowley. This gives a time period of between 1910 to 1925. Later in life, she formed the Society of Inner Light, an organization operating within the principles of the Western mystery tradition. Fortune, being a psychologist and an occultist, gives her unique insight into the subject she writes about. Definitions. The following are some definitions of words the reader may not be familiar with, but hopefully you are. Also, some explanations of specific phrases unlike the dictionary definitions. Occult, adjective, of or about magic, astrology, alchemy, theosophy, etc. Secret, esoteric, supernatural, occult, noun, magical or esoteric knowledge or experience. Esoteric, adjective, intelligible, to or intended for the initiated only, confidential, secret, mystical. Esotericism, noun. The presence in religious or philosophic systems of concealed doctrines revealed only to initiates. Initiate, adjective, one who has been initiated. Initiation, noun. Act of initiation, state of being initiated, ritual or ceremony of initiating. The above definitions are taken from the Penguin English Dictionary, second edition, written by G.N. Garmentsway. And that was all written by myself in 1996. Grade 10. All right, here we go. Sane Occultism by Dion Fortune. Quote, with commentary by Frater R.C. That's me, as requested. Okay, let's give this a, give this a go. Quote, there's upon the inner planes, a company which might be called the Company of Avalon. And also there is upon the inner planes a brotherhood, which we call Montsalvat. They are not in any way rivals, but they work in different ways, and the contact with each is somewhat different. Within the great hall of Montsalvat, behind the chair of state, whereupon sits the king and master of Montsalvat, there is a small doorway which leads into the chapel of the Grail. There is very little furniture in this chapel save for a central altar on which there eternally burns in the midst of jeweled flames the mighty symbol of the spirit through all the ages of man. Dion Fortune, the Holy Grail. So Mont Salvat is obviously the Mount of Salvation. And, you know, we got ages of man because back then man included women. But I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. That's just a pitfall. And, uh, you know, oh, I don't, I don't. Some of this stuff, it's hard to talk about. I might have to use a British accent now and then just to distance myself from how, how I feel about some of it. Not so much what she says, but what I say. So let's move on. Here's a book report from mostly read and written in the summer of 1995 after my orientation to the Golden Dawn and before my initiation in October, November of that year. Sane occultism opens with a preface. 
the Holy Grail, in which is discussed the Spirit Brotherhood of Montsalvat and the Spirit Company of Avalon. She describes these groups in relation to the ancient Grail mystery. I found her description of the castle in which the Grail is kept and the land around it interesting. <laughs> then I realized that what she was speaking of is an astral location. Brackets. Legit brackets. Note, there is no actual locations in the astral as we normally would perceive them. There are only different energies and modes of consciousness. End brackets. <laughs> I love how fucking certain I was of that. I was like, just statement. This is the case. <laughs> and the furthest point from the center, the center being the grail, is the first key. Bracket. Keys are astral guides or stepping stones used to find your goal. End bracket. Now that's actually sort of a good point. That's probably one of the most insightful things I've even thought of to date about the astral plane or the experience of what we call astral that's good. Yeah. Little wanker. I intend to go to this place. <laughs> Little arrogant bastard. If I am able to, and if I am allowed. For there are possibly, possibly various passwords and other guards. Another good point. And it's really, really, I think, important to understand that, in my opinion, these, these passwords and guards and things that we test on the astral, these are not external things. These are ways in which that we challenge our own immediate creations in the subconscious or underconscious or superconscious or, you know, nature, naturing, or whatever you want to call it. Passwords, testing, they let us get by these things and move on to truer, deeper images like the layers of an onion. Fortune continues the preface talking about the qualities of the grail and a little about its spiritual history. The first time I read the preface, I thought very little of it and just wanted to get on with the book. Now, upon further examination and careful thought, I have found the secrets hidden within this metaphor of the preface. Oh, yes, I'm sure I found all the secrets. This is a wonderful beginning to an excellent book. This book is by far the largest of the group, of six, I believe, and deals with the most, the most subjects. And to touch upon them all would require an entire separate book. I think that's Alan Richardson's shtick to comment on all of Dion Fortune's work. The first chapter is called, What is Occultism? And in it, she thoroughly examines what occultism is. Yeah. I had read over a dozen books on occultism and magic. Ooh, I used a K. Yeah, that was the good old days. But this chapter showed me that I did not truly know what occultism is. Oh my God, two sentences in a row that end with is, period. Fuck. How on earth did I get an A in this? This chapter is more than some definition in a book. For fortune branches into the discussion of other occult subjects, and in the end, the reader is left with a good impression of what he is getting into. And yeah, I used sexist language back then. Most of us did. I didn't stop doing that until I think grad school. Hmm. This chapter is more than some definition in a book. For fortune branches into other occult subjects, and in the end, the reader is left with a good impression of what he or she is getting into. Fortune moves on to discuss the mystery schools and their specifics, as well as the often used term occult science. Quote, occult science has two enemies to contend with, the skeptical materialist, who denies everything, and the credulous occultester, or occultaster, I always like that, who believes everything. Serious students need to find the middle way between these two extremes. They must, on the one hand, on the one hand, avoid credulity, and on the other, recognize that the nature of proof 
available concerning the inner planes differs from the available natural for natural sciences. That's from credulity in occult research. Some good points. I always like the phrase credulous occult taster. Someone who just you know goes from shiny object to shiny object and tastes things, trusts what their intuition says and determines that that's full knowledge and mastery. And then the skeptical materials. I'm actually sort of a hard science kind of person. I'm, you know, a lot of people would even consider me an atheist because I reject supernaturalistic ideas of deity. I don't like the interventionist God ideas. I'm sort of down with Nick Cave's line of thinking on that stuff. But for me, that leaves me open to the really cool stuff that doesn't go away when it's subjected to testing. And that's where I'm fascinated. All right, what do I say about this? The contents of the chapter, credulity, credulity and occult research, are of utmost importance. Fortune says that to be content with self-surety is not enough. There must be found actual proof. She speaks of the clairvoyant discoveries of Rudolf Steiner Yay. and W.C. Leadbeater. That is the kind of proof which she says must be found. Well, okay, we'll move on. She speaks of two kinds of proof, objective and subjective. She gives definitions of both and the process through which both may be found. These are good reasons to check out the book Sane Occultism, actually. I liked what Fortune had to say about both and in the future applied them to my studies and practices. At various later parts of the book, I got lost in her talk of free association and it took me careful reading to come through with a solid understanding. Keep in mind, I was submitting these book reports to a, the Vancouver Waldorf School, so I, uh, I was submitting it to a a receptive audience, you could say. And my English teacher was an ex-Anglican Episcopalian priest who you know, was an ardent Steiner, Steiner head, so, yeah, he was quite interested and took it with a, in the spirit it was meant. The second half of this chapter does not roll off the end of the tongue. I find that throughout all her books there are some parts that fit together easily in my mind and some that do not. I think this is because in the parts that are difficult to understand, I am merely not ready. It's actually pretty good insight for a podcast 15-year-old. Of course, this may also be due to inconsistency on the writer's part. <laughs> That's true. Of these two possibilities, I am as yet unsure which is true, but I am sure that time will reveal all. Oh, the optimism. Love it. I have found that Fortune has, in these books, three ways of writing. First, she sometimes writes in a preaching manner, stating the various facts. Furthermore, she also has a form of discussion, in which I feel drawn into the very pages of the book. Moreover, can you tell I was influenced by the writing style of these Victorian fuckers? Moreover, there are instances where she is actually teaching methods of practice for some of the various occult practices. All forms of her, her, all forms, her, of, all, hmm, that's a, that's a mistake. All forms of her writing have their good points and bad points. In the first two ways of writing, it's clunky, I find that it could quickly become complicated and enigmatic. In the third way, I sometimes got lost about the exact practical application. There are only the bad, these are only the bad times. <laughs> More often, her work is a masterpiece to read. Oh, that's so nice. What makes her work so enthralling? 
come like this to read is largely due to the content and her archaic style of writing. That's true. I was very into the old style of writing, so maybe I should stop being so snide and, and let you guys enjoy it who are, who are into that. And I'm still into that. What can I say? I just, you know, life. The chapter Meditation in Psychism is a perfect example of her instructive way of writing. Fortune defines the pathway to contact with your higher self. And how, in that state of con- ooh, I did a semicolon, fancy. And how, in that state of superconsciousness, all can be known. Sort of got a point there. I, from personal experience, can verify the validity of such. T- oh. I, from personal experience, can verify the validity of such teaching. This is one of the esoteric practices that is considered occult fact. <laughs> Oh, that's so fine. I was so douchey in that way. Oh, my God. When one is in such a state of superconsciousness, and superconsciousness, answers to all questions may be learned. She details the process of this in an orderly and in-depth manner. I believe, however, that we could, in modern day, go much further into the exact process. But this has yet to happen. Hmm. That's something to think about. I'll make a note. The cross-checking of revelations from the higher self, Fortune says, is of the utmost importance. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Honestly, this was something I had never considered before because I was a little shithead and something I was at first in disagreement with because I was a fucking shithead. I thought that if it comes from the higher self, it must be true. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus told me that's the truth, so that's the truth. Damn it. I mean, dang it. Ah, hell. After reading her thorough explanation why this must be done, I was in complete agreement. And I am not easily given to change a change of belief because I'm an Aquarius fucking wanker with a Scorpio ascendant and Mars and Mercury conjunct in Aquarius. Shazam. I now use her process of confirmation in all my operations. Fortune can die. Hell, actually, never stopped him. Fortune continues in the discourse of formulating proofs, subjective and objective, in relation to psychism and occultism in general. At times, this discussion becomes lengthy and overdrawn, but I can think of no way to shorten it. That's the kind of shit that teachers want to see in the book report, by the way, for all you high schoolers out there. Quote, But on the other hand, let us never forget that there is no such thing as revelation to brain consciousness. Revelation is always to the higher self and has then to be translated through into brain consciousness. In that... Translation discrepancies may occur, and therefore all revelation and inspiration, even the clearest, requires counter-checking from meditation and psychism. That's really excellent. She was, she was sort of the bomb. I think I need to reread these books as an actual adult. In the chapter, The Left-Hand Path, okay, now you're all listening, I know. Yeah, yummy. Fortune opens wide the veil that has for centuries hidden the black arts from plain view. I've always noticed that many people grow uneasy when the subject of black occultism is brought up. Fortune explains that this should not be, and I couldn't agree more, that the black arts be exposed for what they truly are. Actually, I was always of the opinion that you should study black magic, all kinds of magic. I, to this day, have never done even the slightest act of magic that anyone might consider black, and I think I am getting more and more to be an exception in that regard. But talk to people like Chris Bennett, Talk to some other experienced occultists and ask them what, how things went for them after they did some hardcore black magic. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but ah, fuck it. 
and again, we're re- people are redefining left-hand path, black magic, demons in so many ways that a lot of the ways they're redefining it, I wouldn't even consider it to be what it was then. So if we change words, then we have to uh, change the context of the things we used to say about them into a new way of saying things about them. Dadoy. She says that it is in society's hush-hush attitude about them that their true power is gained. She then defines two kinds of occultism. Intentional, be thou my good, and unintentional, those who stray onto the left-hand path. Yes, oh, interesting. So she says there's two kinds of... So some people take the evil and say, you're now my good, which is actually what we see happening a lot today, the redefinition of these things, rather than the saying, I want to be an evil fucking asshole and kill people and shit. That's not what it's about. It's just about saying, let these old demonized demons that were once angels become my angels again and flip the pentagram upside down. Which means that if you're then going to do the kind of light work where we use the inverted pentagram to maintain demons at will and our own evil persona in check, we need to flip it back way, right way up. And it gets really confusing, but that's a whole other conversation. And then there's those who unintentionally just stray onto the left-hand path. That's, that's a very, very moralistic Victorian idea. Um, we can't get into that now. If anyone wants to talk to me about that, just call me up and let's go into it. I, I, I'm not afraid to talk about anything on this, this, uh, this thing, Imogene. She warns about keeping company with either. Oh, of course. This is someone who is at 21 years old practicing as a psychotherapist and giving sexual counseling advice to people in England at 21. So keep that in mind. And listen to the Thoth Hermes podcast interview with Alan Richardson if you have a chance. Well, just fucking do it. Turn my shit off and do that. She warns about keeping company with either, saying that it can be most unpleasant and the wise should be wary. Uh-oh. I wonder what Moina would say about that. Quote, there are three motives which prompt him, the black occultist, greed, lust, and desire for power and knowledge for their own sake. End quote. <laughs> she gives many qualifications for the black occultist. Drugs being a large one, oh dear God, as well as a ritual magic, with a K, enacted to harm other people and oneself. There we go. She writes throughout the book addressing the neophyte. So from this I presume that she thought this chapter is most important for the neophyte, as would the neophyte. I found this chapter to be informative and a relief that someone finally wrote something sensible about the left-hand path. Okay. I end the book report on this book with a quote. Those who interest themselves in the occult science constantly meet with warnings concerning the avoidance of the left-hand path. They read of black occultism and dark initiators and many other items calculated to make the flesh creep. A wholesome respect for the powers of darkness and a disinclination to trifle with them is a sound basis from which to start the investigation of supernormal phenomena. But panic-stricken ignorance does no more harm than good, end quote, the left-hand path. I would recommend this book to anyone in the field of occultism. It is a level-headed, insane collection of information. Very good. Okay, there we go. Yeah, we should talk about that. Oh, my, uh. Mr. Grim Wolf is running late to meet me, so I have time to do more. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll publish this one and let you guys enjoy it. And I don't know. Uh, I sort of want to listen to music when I do the next one, but maybe that would be annoying for y'all. Um, hmm. 
What do I know? Maybe I have some thoughts to share on that. I can't imagine why anyone would want to listen to me do this, but this is the, the most comments I got was me on reading this during my little chit-chat with uh, Fratter IPAF, Chris Winters. So, uh, hey, why not? That was book report number one by dot, dot, dot. Sane Occultism by Dion Fortune. And next is book report number two by me. Esoteric Orders and Their Work by Dion Fortune. Yeah, that's the kind of Streber, Ich war. They asked for one book report, I would give them six. All right, enjoy. <laughs> 